0: At WRA, we're working to drive on-the-ground solutions to climate change to advance clean energy, protect air, land, water, and wildlife, and to sustain the lives and livelihoods of the West. Across our region, we know that almost every aspect of our lives is being impacted by the effects of climate change. From water scarcity and ongoing drought, to catastrophic wildfire and dangerous air quality levels, we know that these challenges, however distinct, are not isolated from each other. From 33 years of experience, we know that crafting effective solutions to address climate change and meet our science-backed emissions reduction goals require a complex, collaborative, and multifaceted approach. To look at where those issues and our work to address them intersect, we're launching the Climate Nexus series for our Two Degrees Out West podcast. This series will dig into the ways that pressing environmental challenges and the causal factors of climate change overlap as well as the ways in which our staff at WRA are working together and combining their expertise to drive innovative solutions and get results. For this first conversation, I spoke with Stacey telling Houston and Ellen Howard-Kutzer of WRA's Clean Energy Program, as well as Bart Miller and John Siren of WRA's Healthy Rivers Program, about how our work to cut harmful emissions from Western coal plants and transition our region to a zero-carbon economy has the potential to help keep more water flowing through rivers and streams. Confused about how those two connect? Let's check it out. We'd like to take a second and thank the sponsors whose generous support has made this podcast possible. This episode is brought to you by our signature sponsors, BOS Development, Conservation Colorado, Kind Design, and Torch Clean Energy, as well as our supporting sponsor, Policy Arizona. Hey everybody, thank you for joining me today. To start off, many people might not realize that water and energy are so closely tied together in the West. People might be familiar with hydropower in other regions of the country, like the Pacific Northwest, but here in the Intermountain West, the relationship is a little different. Stacy and John, can you briefly explain how our current energy production processes use water, how much they use, and how that impacts our region's rivers and water security?
1: Thanks, Brendan. This is Stacey Kalingusen, Climate Policy Manager for Western Resource Advocates, and I think you're right. This connection between energy and water is often sort of hidden and not well understood. Um, But, uh, you know, a typical conventional power plant uses a fuel like coal or natural gas or nuclear fuels to heat water and turn that water into steam. That steam then turns a turbine, which generates electricity. And then the power plants actually use water to cool and condense the steam so that it can be recycled. Um, In in other parts of the country, like along big rivers in the east or along the coast, power plants will run huge amounts of water through the cooling systems. And these types of plants typically return all of that water to the river or the ocean, but at a higher temperature, which can cause thermal or other water quality issues, as well as issues with um, catching fish and other organisms in their systems. But in the interior west, most of our plants use what's called wet recirculating cooling systems. These plants withdraw a much smaller volume of water from rivers, but they consume all or nearly all of that water. A typical Western coal or nuclear power plant would consume around 600 gallons of water for each megawatt hour of electricity they produce. While a combined cycle gas plant Um, is more efficient and would consume about a third as much. Um, In contrast, most renewables like solar photovoltaics or wind use no water.
2: Thanks, Stacey. And this is John Siren. I'm a senior staff attorney at the Healthy Rivers Program at Western Resource Advocates. Um, And we've been looking at the connection between power plant water uh, in the state of Colorado and across the West um, for the last several years at least. Um, And when you take these power plants together, it ends up being quite a bit of, of water that's used. Um, in a recent report uh, filed by public service, they're called their electrical resource plan for their thermal generation facilities. They reported uh, over 30,000 acre feet of water you consumptively used in one year by these plants. Um, that's a quite a bit of water. We, we as a rule of thumb, uh, calculate um, two to four families or about 10 people would use one uh, acre feet of water over an entire year. So over 30,000 acre feet ends up being quite a bit of water. And if these power plants begin to uh, close down, we're gonna be adding back into the system quite a bit of water.
0: Stacy, John, maybe you can bring this to life a little bit more for me. Stacy, I know you mentioned that the water is consumed and John, you mentioned that this could add new water back to the rivers. So unlike uh, hydropower or coastal plants, like you mentioned, we're not adding any of the water that's being used to cool these plants back to the rivers right now is that what you're saying
1: yeah that's exactly right so these most of the power plants in the interior west withdraw this water from streams use it to cool the steam and it's consumed entirely so it's it's gone from the system so as john described really well you know as we start to see some of these power plants retire that's real water that gets put back into the system that can be used for environmental needs or for cities or agricultural or or other purposes.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. And Bart, while this interconnection of water flowing in our rivers and coal plants used to produce our energy might be a new concept to many, this isn't really a new challenge for us here at WRA, right? You worked with experts across WRA's Healthy Rivers team and our Clean Energy Program in 2009 to confront the construction of a coal plant that would have used a considerable amount of water to cool its generators. Can you tell us a bit about what led you uh, and you all at WRA to engage with that issue then and what you learned from it?
3: Yeah, sure, Brendan. Um, Bart here, the director of the Healthy Rivers Program at Western Resource Advocates. And we did get involved way back in 2008, 2009. It was related to a proposed power plant on the Arkansas River in southeastern Colorado. It was called the Holly plant. And um, we knew that coal plants used a lot of water and that this was going to put new stresses on that system. And so we got involved in a water court case where tri-state generation was trying to obtain water rights and change the use of existing water rights, uh, including used by agriculture in that part of the state um, for their for their plant. But we found a major problem. Uh, we were concerned about the the plant going in and the greenhouse gas emissions, but we also saw some real complications with water use and putting additional stress on the system. And long story short, we ended up in a settlement agreement with Tri-State where uh, they went ahead and got their water rights or they continued to um, pursue them. But we, we got uh, Tri-State to put uh, three quarters of a million dollars into a energy demand management study, which helped them figure out other ways that their customers might meet their electricity needs and whether or not those needs might be a a fair bit lower than they might have thought. Tri-State never built that plant. Um, They ended up um, getting the water rights, but never actually putting them to use. And that demand management study uh, helped, helped them figure out, had a much clearer picture about how they could meet energy needs in the future. Uh, without having to build the Holly plant.
1: And, uh, you know, I'll just add a couple points um, for important current day context. You know, I think a lot has changed since 2009. And we just recently saw Tri-State announce this this really important commitment and a settlement to where where they're committing to reduce emissions associated with their Colorado customers by 80% by 2030. So it's a Um, you know, remarkable shift from where they were in in 2009. Um, You know, not specific to that case, but at that point in time, we really, Bart and I and others in the water program and the energy program did a lot of education and outreach to decision makers around the impacts of our energy choices on on water um, resources. And we, we intervened in a couple of different cases in the Colorado PUC, we did a lot of education of um, public utility commissioners kind of around the region of what the impacts of these energy choices were. Um, And I think you know one one thing we learned at that point in time which again over 10 years ago but talking about climate change and greenhouse gas emissions and power power plants was really, it created political chasms. Um, and I think that's probably still true today, perhaps less so. But I think we found at the time that talking about the water benefits of um, avoiding these carbon intensive power plants or retiring some of the existing power plants could really help bridge that, that political divide. And I think that that was one piece that was really helpful in, in shifting to cleaner sources of energy at that point in time.
0: Stacey, I wonder if you could explain something a little bit more for me. You mentioned that you intervened at the Public Utility Commission here in Colorado. Many of our audience and listeners might be familiar with what that means, but for those who aren't, can you explain what it means to intervene in something like this and also uh, how that ends up creating change across the West?
1: The, The Public Utility Commission holds these legal cases or legal reviews of for example, uh, an electric utilities long-term resource plan. And that's where these water impacts are kind of um, most relevant. And WRA along with other stakeholders will intervene or, or will become a formal party to that legal proceeding. And that gives us the opportunity to really analyze the um, testimony and the proposals that the electric utility has put forward and to do our own um, analysis and testimony, and provide that to the public utility commissioners, who are ultimately the judges, who then take all of the evidence in the record and decide um, what is best for um, for the electric utilities customers and for the environment in the state. Um, you know, in particular, in some of those, you know, some of those early electric resource plans, we provided testimony that showed that a transition to cleaner resources would really provide important water benefits. On a parallel track, we also um, did a lot of outreach and education to these decision makers to show the best ways that utilities could evaluate and report water use as part of their resource planning efforts. And I think that that was really important. So prior to say 2010, a lot of electric utilities in the West didn't even report how much water they used or how much water they expected to use in the future. And now many of those utilities do report that. So it's a, a real factor that utility commissions can use to decide what's the best pass, path forward.
0: Stacy and Ellen, you've been working to reduce harmful fossil fuel emissions through the retirement of Colorado's remaining coal plants, which has the potential to free up huge amounts of water. Can you explain how working to replace our region's coal plants with clean energy can also protect the health of our rivers and increase our region's resilience to climate change?
4: Sure, I'm happy to answer that, Brendan. Hi, Brendan. My name is Ellen Howard-Kutzer. I'm a senior staff attorney in Western Resource Advocates Clean Energy Program. And I'd love to have Stacey's input as well. Um, You know, I think what we see here in Colorado in particular is that a lot of these coal fired power plants are located in our basins where there's just a shortage of water. And so when you take a coal unit offline, first and foremost, you don't have to divert any of the water that's necessary for cooling, which is a very water intensive process for use in the, po- in the power plant any longer. So, you know, not only are you not extracting water for that purpose, but you're also able to use that water that's been freed up for new purposes which in a lot of these drought-stricken regions can be really, really important. And so, an example of where we've worked a little bit on and an issue with a coal plant that's already retired is in the town of Nucla, uh, which had a coal firepower plant that was run by Tri-State Generation and Transmission Cooperative. So when the nuclear plant retired, uh, water was freed up for Tri-State to potentially do other things with it. And so um, that became a very important resource, particularly for the towns of Nucla and Natarita, where they have some shortages certain times of the year, particularly the summer months, where they really don't have enough supply to meet what's needed to, to meet the town supply. Not only that, but there's not water available for recreation. There's not water available for angling. There's just a lot of um, potentially really valuable uses of that. So. Um, John Siren's been working hard on negotiations for what we do with that water, but you know the first step in in my work is to actually work at the PUC to get those coal plants retired. Ellen, I think that that is a great
1: explanation. I wanted to add one piece, um, kind of addressing your question, Brendan, about how this transition helps to increase our region's resilience to climate change, and I think it's really important to remember that many of our renewable resources use no water. And we've seen in past droughts instances where there are real water shortages um, in in specific basins where a power plant either has to acquire water from um, agricultural users or other entities or has to extend its water intake pipes um, to to access reservoirs that that may be falling um, because of drought. And so to the extent that we're relying on these cleaner um, sources of energy we're also you know ensuring that we we have these reliable energy supplies during times of drought as well
0: well after you've all described that process it sounds fantastic to me i'm a really passionate angler spent a lot of my time ankle deep in rivers in the summers when i can and i've definitely seen them dry up and understand that so this process sounds fantastic but is it really that easy and john siren uh you know is it is it uh as straightforward as it sounds or are there other challenges to ensuring that once we free up this water from coal plants using it or other energy generation using it that it goes back into our rivers
2: well thanks for that question brendan and as you suspected it's not that easy uh water is really valuable in the west as as it makes sense it would be given its scarcity um it can range from $100 an acre foot to $80,000 an acre foot in different parts of the West. So it's not that easy to simply say, oh, there's new water in the river, we'll just keep it in the river. What we need to do is figure out legal mechanisms uh, that we can use to keep it in the water to make it beneficial. And what we're trying to do, and what WA has been a leader in is trying to come up with ways in which water can serve multiple purposes, rather than simply uh, being held by one entity to and to be used for for one thing we'd like to try to create ways in which that water could be more under community control and the community can decide what what needs to be done with the water given sort of the the climactic and the the uh, uh, conditions that we're facing at the time. If we have really dry streams, it's great to get that water in the stream to help for the, with the fish, to help with the environment. If we have some extra, we can u- possibly use it for other, re- uh, other uses. Uh, that's not always easy to do because uh, Typically, water is decreed for one type of use or for another, but there are ways that we can make it happen through, as I said, different types of legal mechanisms, such as what's called an augmentation plan or other uh, similar types of plans that allow water to be used for multiple purposes.
0: And John, just to make sure I'm following you, when you say a legal mechanism, it sounds like a big fancy thing, but really that's just a process that we're helping develop that's recognized by state law. Uh, that allows us to move the water around within the legal system, right?
2: That's right. It is a process. It's, uh, we're going to be um, trying to use that process in new ways, but it is isn't a process that's been established and that has been used in other circumstances across Colorado.
0: The West is facing a prolonged drought due to climate change. Why is it so important for our water and climate situation across the West to consider fossil fuel emissions from coal plants? how does this transition and the nexus of water and clean energy that you all are working on benefit our Western communities? What kind of a difference does it make for people at home?
3: Yeah, Brendan, I think it's really important. Uh, we as an organization and and many others know that we really need to shift away from fossil fuels to cleaner forms of energy like wind and solar. Um, and, and part of the connection here is, Climate change is driving a lot of dramatic change in the world around us. It's affecting local communities all over the place, forest fires and the after effects of that, which include sediment dropping down and closing down I-70 for weeks at a time, Um, uh, fires and drought. And drought, I'd say, has a big impact all across the region, Uh, not only for farmers and cities having to get by with less, but it's also drying up rivers. Rivers are starting to see the impacts of climate uh, having lower flows in the summertime, having a smaller snowpack in the winter, leading to to smaller uh, peak flows that come when the snow melts in the spring. Um, So there's there's really this important connection about what climate's doing to other natural resources. And I think the reason I think of the important connection here about um, fossil fuel emissions and coal plants is there's this real double whammy and a bonus, as we close coal and gas plants and that water is made available, we have a chance to actually restore some of the streams. The ones that are getting damaged by climate will actually be able to add water back, whether that's leasing or loaning or outright uh, purchasing of water from, from the electric utilities. We can really help support fish, wildlife, and recreation, and really get the Western rivers we care about back into balance. For these communities, um, they're facing the need to transition away from one source of energy to another. And that just transition, kind of the the way that those communities can make, um, make a new life, uh, make a new opportunity for themselves, some of that is tied to this water and recreation. So we're seeing some communities that may be able to reinforce and promote themselves, the brand of that community as a whitewater recreation place, a place where people can can go fishing in the rivers. And that's a a way for some of the communities to reshape uh, their future and kind of seize their destiny in a hotter, drier climate.
1: To to echo um, kind of what Bart just said, you know, I think he's right. We're in the midst of this really rapid transition to clean energy. And many of the utilities in our region have committed to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions really significantly uh, by the end of this decade. And that has really direct benefits for communities with Improving air quality. Um, and also, as we we're talking about, it frees up water that can be used by those communities, particularly as part of the just transition. And, you know, I, I guess I wanted to provide one example um, of, of a power plant in the region that is in the process of, of closing down, and that's the San Juan Generating Station in northwestern New Mexico. Um, that plant has partially closed. And I think we expect the utility to close the remaining units of it this year. Um, And it consumed, at at, at its highest points of operation, it consumed as much as 25,000 acre feet a year from the San Juan River, um, which is a major tributary of the Colorado River. And again, as as we talked about earlier, that's enough water that could otherwise meet the needs of roughly um, 250,000 people. So not insignificant. Um, You know, that volume is small compared to the millions of acre feet stored in reservoirs along the river, but again, not inconsequential. And I think looking in particular at the San Juan River, you know, there's endangered species in that river. Um, There are important recreational industries dependent on that river. And it flows into Lake Powell, which is at its lowest point since the reservoir was initially filled. Um, and on the cusp of whether it can continue generating hydropower. These are all really critical needs and particularly in a drought stricken basin, I think actions that we take to shift to clean energy can really help um, help relieve some of that tension, especially in a basin where right now every drop counts.
0: So then what's next? What are the next major challenges WRA is working on in regards to this nexus of your work on energy and water in the West?
4: Yeah, I think there are a lot of significant challenges. Um, as, as you know, and as I think we've talked about already, there's several more coal plant retirements that are still coming up, and that's going to free up a tremendous amount of new water. In particular, in the stations that have not yet retired all of those units, there could be new water rights that become available that maybe have not yet been available when just one or two of the existing units have retired. And I think uh, one of the challenges that we're facing and we're thinking about at the Public Utilities Commission is how do we make a legal argument that the water that's being freed up is really a utility resource that is something that's been held in the public interest. You know, that water has been used to create gener- and generate electricity for many years. And, you know, that's something that serves all of us customers. but Now that it's retired and freed up, you know, we feel really strongly that the water rights remain in the public interest and shouldn't be used for the utilities purposes only, that there needs to be a discussion and that the Public Utilities Commission needs to step in and have a say in how that water is being used in the future. So that presents a challenge and an opportunity for us to advocate for new legal arguments and recommendations for the Public Utilities Commission to play a role in how the water might be used in the future.
2: And I'll just jump in there also. Um, I wanted to echo what Ellen says about it being both a challenge and an opportunity because I see it um, as being a real tremendous opportunity for us to rethink a little bit about how we use water in the in the west rather than water being something that is owned by one or two entities and used only for their benefit, it's something that sometimes can be shared between us and, be, and used for multiple purposes in a way that that better benefits uh, the, the entire West. And uh, I think that this, the closings of these power plants, the addition of this water to the system and and the possibility of, of rethinking a little bit how we use that water is something that that WRA really is excited about taking the lead on.
3: Yeah, the only thing I'll add um, is it kind of uh, this issue of, of coal plant or fossil plant water use really hits a lot of important objectives. It both reduces climate change, greenhouse gases, helps uh, promote or provide uh, additional incentives to move towards renewables, because as Stacey said, those are more resilient in the face of uh, declining uh, water availability. And it provides this really interesting opportunity uh, for improving stream flow. Um, It's it's an acknowledged way for us to deal with the challenge of having less water available and decreasing our use, and also putting that water to a a different, more community-based use for recreation and the environment. And uh, so we see it as really uh, an important opportunity for combining the efforts and and meeting many of the objectives that that we have as an organization, but also things that will benefit the public at large all across the West.
1: And I'll just add one um, final thought here, and that's, you know, I think there are challenges and, as we've heard, real opportunities um, to use this water to provide both environmental and community benefits as these coal plants close. And I think it's a really exciting time to be working on these issues. You know, we've been working for well over a decade to close some of these coal plants as part of our transition to cleaner energy and to reducing our our greenhouse gas pollution. And, you know, we are finally seeing some of these plants close and seeing this water become available for other uses. And I think that that's, it's really exciting to see.
0: Well, Stacey, you said it. I think this is a fascinating topic and it, seems very complex, especially right off the start, but it's exciting to hear the work that you are all doing. And I think you've done a great job of explaining to us the opportunities that we have in front of us in transitioning to a clean energy future and the ways that that can help benefit our rivers and streams around the West. I want to thank you all so much for taking some time to explain this today. Uh, It was fantastic talking to you as always. I hope you have a great rest of your afternoon. If you were as inspired as I was by that podcast and you want to know what you can do to help support WRA's work on this innovative nexus between water and energy and help address climate change, become a donor. Support from donors like you helps make our work possible. If you go to www.westernresourceadvocates.org right now and click the donate button, any contribution that you make helps. We would truly appreciate your support and we'd love if you join us in this effort to protect our rivers and our climate across the West.